is the new theme song with Tracy and Josh. Singing for the theme song, making the theme song, singing the theme song, it's the theme song. Go Tracy. It's the theme song, the theme song, the theme song, it's the theme, the theme song. song, the theme song, the theme song of the Josh, Josh and Tracy Show. Show. All right, starting. Hey, it's Josh and Tracy. Welcome. How you doing? We're here. Hey, hey, Josh and Tracy. Just deep enough with Josh and Tracy. Josh and Tracy, how deep is it? Just deep enough. How can you tell? You are at the point where you say, yeah, all right. That checks out. That checks out. That checks out. Yeah, okay. I think that's fair. All right. So we, uh, I'm glad to see you, sir. I'm here. I'm glad to see you too. Long time no see. It's been literally like minutes. Minutes. Yeah. I was just in my room and you were in your room and now we're in the same room. That's how it does. That's how we do. Okay, folks. So that's a good segue. Oh, you know how you're Mr. Segway? You are in Segway, Miss Segway. I'm fixing to Segway right now. You did. Your room, my room. Yeah, because so today, mm-hmm. what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the the goal of closeness mm-hmm. while still retaining a sense of autonomy and individuation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the context mm-hmm. of, because a lot of times people talk about boundaries um, only in so far as they have already let their boundaries either be too rigid or too diffuse right it's Mm -hmm. like it's like they feel like oh i'm just letting everybody in and i have you know i can't ever say no or people are like i don't trust Mm -hmm. anyone yes so the deep question we're exploring because we trust each other to explore because our boundaries are versatile enough you think well we shall see is that but is that your post are you postulating that our boundaries are already freaking awesome yes I feel like I feel like unless there is evidence to the contrary yours are particularly awesome do you think so you're my role model no shit really tell me why well because you know if it's a good thing about me I want the details so part of it has to do with you being a therapist I think you have the opportunity to practice boundaries in a structured environment you know um, so that fits into one of the ways in which I think you've developed excellent boundaries. However, in addition to that is you as uh, an energy worker um, and your perceptual capacities in general have um, necessitated that you uh, function very carefully with how you interact with people based on your um, experience that, that you perceive. You see, part of boundaries that I want to go to that we didn't discuss about for th- before this is how our perceptual capacities play into the decisions about how we establish boundaries. And I don't want to get necessarily into um, the semantics of what boundaries are here because I could see our conversation quickly going there. Because mm. let's just... Well, maybe we should... Well, it's one of those dang words. Yeah. It's one of those words that everybody thinks they know what it means. Yeah. And 
or or and it does mean what it means to each yeah. individual person based on what they believe it means. However, when I'm talking about boundaries, I'm talking about a particular thing. But let's not worry about that right now. Let's, let's see how that unfolds organically. Yeah. Go ahead with your train of thought about. Oh, well, you know, the train started <clears throat> with the engine of my compliment regarding your um, boundary skills. That was what was driving the train of thought. And then I got a little derailed as I um, attached to that train. You know, now the metaphor is getting out of control. But let's just The train is off the tracks. Off the tracks. Yeah, it's all right, though. (laughs) You know, last month, two months back, my science fiction book club read a book about, like, a train that just, you know, well, it wasn't about the train. But there was a book, basically, that flew through the air, not on a track. And yet it was the mode of transportation for a steam train. I mean, imagine just a, a floaty, billowy steam train that could just go through the air like a big, long hovercraft magic thing. Um, so here, here's the deal that I want to establish is there's the boundaries of the immediate interactions that we use like to facilitate communication. Um, so we know when meaning is crossing through space. And then there are the boundaries that are based on what, uh, what we reveal, like the boundaries that have to do with our container. Because there's both a container aspect to boundaries as well as uh, an energy exchange aspect to it. You know, I think a lot of times they're seen as just something that is a division But also there's an encapsulating quality that I think is what creates a sense of individuality. Okay, how would you differentiate, I I don't remember the exact word to use, but a barrier versus an encapsulation? Like what's the the differentiation Mm -hmm. there? I'm not not quite sure. Oh, a real concrete example, my skin Mm -hmm. is like a boundary that encapsulates me. Yeah. Um, a barrier is something that's between things, you know? Mm-hmm. It's between. Um, so, like, the space between us would be the place where the boundaries that are kind of like the boundaries that people talk about sort of interplay in a concrete sense. Boundaries take place between individuals, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. They might even say that boundaries are where disembodied consciousness lives, you know? Okay, hold them up. Let's get that. So you, space is the place where disembodied consciousness lives. Yeah. Yep, okay, I get it. Yep, yeah. I can follow that. Yeah, and it's that same place in which um, boundaries are... I mean, the boundaries also can be very internal, you know. Uh, I think they're both they're internal. Like, you have your set, I have my set. There is some degree of subjectivity here, but I do want to go. There's a bit of a woo-woo thing that has to do with boundaries that are set independently of our initiatives. You know, there's, Well, why is that woo-woo? Um, because they glow pretty colors, and sometimes they hum with sort of feathery <laughs> projections. <laughs> okay, fair. So, all right, well... But I, I would say, I would argue, I would argue that boundaries are, are only, are only rep, um, expressions of cognition. Like, I don't really think, I think, I think that 
It's our thoughts about what we will and won't let in, whether they, and typically these are subconscious thoughts that haven't been mm -hmm. reviewed with the frontal lobe to, for, mm -hmm. for whether or not they're what we really want. They're mm -hmm. just like an instinctive thing about mm -hmm. what it is or is, isn't okay for me to let in, what it is or isn't okay for me to say no to. I think mm -hmm. those fundamental cognitions that people have as like operational, like in their operating systems, right? Mm -hmm. As the, you know, for whatever reasons, they might have a bunch of different reasons why they mm -hmm. have the particular assumptions they have about what they should let in. Like people, mm -hmm. just like briefly, I mean, people who let everything in, it's often because mm -hmm. they feel like it's their duty to mm -hmm. feel everything or if they say no to mm -hmm. anything, yeah. then they're being unkind and, you know, it's operating yeah. out of a sense of deficiency. And then there's people who have a cognition, have an idea of like maybe they've been burned a few too many times and it was very painful and so they've mm -hmm. determined to not let anything in, right? Those would be mm -hmm. the extremes on either end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, but in the case of you and me, I think what we're mm -hmm. trying to talk about is kind of two pretty healthy dudes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let, let's, let's bring it to, I mean, there are, we do have historical aspects that similar to the hypothetical situations I mean, we both come from backgrounds where because of our past experiences we're more or less inclined to express ourselves in certain ways mm -hmm. um, regardless of that i mean that's just me kind of gradually bringing what you had just said to this realm of like talking about about us a little bit so that we can speak from our own experiences mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. together about shared experiences mm -hmm. as well so the example that you were hinting at right when i talked about you were in room i was in my room it's like we live in an apartment together. I have a room, you have a room. You know, we have our individual space in the apartment. Um, I'm pretty sure the majority of couples out there that cohabitate sleep in the same room. Would you say that the majority yeah. do? Yeah, totally, yeah. So, um, we can talk about how, I mean, I would like to talk about how I find the situation that we're in to be like a healthy and positive one but we i also want to speak to the fact that it is a luxury that mm -hmm. many people do not have that as an option right to mm -hmm. even have uh, their own rooms mm -hmm. i think if a person has that luxury mm -hmm. um it's a great thing so mm -hmm. but uh, but also um physical space from one another in general is a kind of it's an economic luxury so uh, we might also want to, for the purpose of, you know, just being conscien conscious of not everybody ha has that particular chance mm -hmm. that one can have healthy boundaries, even without f always being able to find physical mm -hmm. space whenever they want it. Yeah. Well, I think where the discussion can go that will, you know, permit a more universal kind of relating is... We can, we can transcend the idea of the, the physical space and think about more what it, what it symbolizes. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm just thinking too about the, where space is not a luxury. Um, what will sometimes happen is that one person will just be you know, out of the house more or, mm -hmm. um, and or will withdraw into themselves too, you know, yeah. if they're in the same space. Right, right, right. and that happens even, you know, we yeah. can't, you know, that can happen yeah. even if you have, have mm -hmm. space. And so I think that the thing about well, if somebody withdraws into themselves, because like that was one of the things I said earlier was like, 
when you, I can kind of see the little clank, clank going on in your head that you're mm -hmm. working something, you're thinking about something. And the spark of the part of me that sparks an insecurity will be like, oh, he's unhappy. What did I do? Right. And I'm, that's not my overt first expression in my mm -hmm. frontal lobe, but I'm aware of it being one of the little pings in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. I am briefly examining the, the phone just as a status check here. We're recording this on a podcast software called Anchor from my iPhone. Just so you know, that's why I'm talking about the phone. The room that, that I'm in, I mean, there's a couple of things going on here. And maybe just the, the facts can assist with moving from um, like a domestic description to something that, that yields more insight. I mean, we've got things like um, each of us wanting to have a good night's sleep um, with one person maybe getting up in the night, um, me having some cat allergies. Um, and the fact that I'm a cat. Yeah, and your nocturnal cat habits <laughs> along with my, my human, you know, general kind of human sort of schedule. This <laughs> creates conflicts, you know. Your hairlessness, though, is not my favorite breed. Of, the of hairless cat. cats? The hairless Ugh, cats, I know, they're so know. creepy looking. But, you know, since I... I've, you I've, know what? Since there is know? a lot of stuff going yeah. on in society now where people, uh -huh. like, remember that lawyer, that cat that was pretending to be a, being, pretending to be a lawyer? Yeah, the cat lawyer. Yeah. Let's be clear. In this case, I really am a human. I'm not, I'm not a cat. Because so you guys can't see me. But I'm not mm -hmm. actually a cat. Like, and a hairless human, I mean, a some amount, like, I have some hair, but it's mm -hmm. mostly in just the normal places, right? Mm -hmm. I say, like, I'm not hairless by human standards. True. Yeah. So, just wanted to clarify that in case people don't know. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, yes, you and I have different needs. Mm -hmm. I sometimes like to get up in the middle of the night and watch a show mm -hmm. because I can't sleep, which is not the healthiest choice sometimes, mm -hmm. but... But you want to sleep, your sleep is really crucial to you, and I respect mm -hmm. that. I envy it to some extent. Mm -hmm. I recently found out from the nurse practitioner that um, menopause can cause middle insomnia. Mm -hmm. so, so maybe I have, maybe yeah. that's what's going on. I don't know. Yeah. So here we are in this domestic setup with the luxury of two separate rooms choosing to um, in our household, be in separate rooms occasionally. We do go into each other's rooms, of course. Um, so that that plays into the, like, I think a healthy aspect of establishing some kind of separation so that we can both take care of ourselves and observe our individual patterns of life, you know. Um, we don't adopt a a sense of closeness that might result in either one of us having a sense of um, you know, discomfort that wouldn't be healthy for ourselves. You know, so that's kind of what I see as the, the formulation behind that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think and one thing that where it speaks to a, universe, a, a universal cool thing mm -hmm. is just in one way or another, not thinking that doing things the way everyone typically does it is like the only way to do it or, or feeling mm -hmm. having there's any sense of apology mm -hmm. for yeah we want to have our own spaces i like to have my own space in fact for years and years and years i fantasized oh i just wish i had my own room mm -hmm. you know and then now i you know my room is like 
Like a dang old Christmas workshop up in there. Yeah. <laughs> Got I mean, elves and stuff. Really pretty much every kid, not every kid, but most kids, I would say, especially kids with siblings, dream of the day when they could have their own room. Right? Mm-hmm. So does that still exist in this modern world? Seems like. Do children today in small houses that share rooms with their siblings like the idea of having a house where they could have their own room? Yeah. They I still do, so. right? That's still out there. I, it seems like, yeah. Okay, absolutely. Good. Huh. Hmm. When do people want to share a room? This, this actually is leading me to a good spot. You know, when do people want to be separate? Like, what is that desire to be in your own room? Because this brings me back to this sense of encapsulation. Is it to be safe, to be private, to not feel like someone is invading your space? You know, this, I mean, it's, it's super concrete. You know, a room, a door, a barrier, you can open the door, let people in, you know what I mean? You might share the room and so the door's not doing any good because everybody's coming and going to the <laughs> space, right? Yeah. So you can see this, this is a somewhat useful kind of approach to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does leave out some of the intricacies that we wanted to address that have to do with individuality too. Because we have this, these individual natures with big old pasts, and then we also have this kind of shared vision of a relationship where we kind of dovetail our lives together. Where some maybe boundaries that we had set up for ourselves, we're establishing new ones so that we can be more close to each other. Right? Can you, do you have any examples? Um, I think our doing salsa lessons is an example. We've, you know, intentionally chosen to schedule into our lives an activity where we both go and we're together. We do mix around with other people, but it's something that, you know, whereas we might have other activities where we'd want to be separate, we chose that one to do together, mm-hmm. you know? And I really, and you came up with that idea, and I was really grateful for it because, like the whole tango thing, which you've been doing for several, several years, and you're really into it, you're mm-hmm. pretty hardcore, and it was something where it was a, a, you know, you we've talked about how that was like, a, because you established that yourself for you. It felt like, yikes, I don't know if I just want to let somebody else into that. But, and that was like a point of, of friction at one point, like, Mm -hmm. it, and, but like, but then you said, well, hey, let's do this other form of dance that neither one of us has any exist, Mm -hmm. pre, pre pre-existing experience with. Mm -hmm. And then we start like on an equal playing Mm -hmm. field right in terms of it and um it becomes this shared new experience Mm -hmm. so um yeah and and we have you and i have different perspectives on that i think i tend but then you know i like to let people into lots of if i've said before if i think something is cool i want everybody i'm like i want to tell everyone about it come do the thing you know Mm -hmm. but then to be honest sometimes then i feel like ugh if i do that a lot then i'm like ugh i need me time right so i mean i have Mm -hmm. that impulse to do that but then I'm like, uh, you know, so, yeah. so. Because here's yeah. an example. I, I'm an awesome person, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. Being with me is awesome, isn't it? It is. Would you like it if I told lots of women to come over and be with me in our house together? 
No, no, no. In that analogy, I would tell lots of women to come oh, and oh, be with you. Okay. Right? Do you see what I mean? No. Because you are so, you are tango, and I am the tango dancer in this analogy. Oh, okay. And so I would be like, I'm doing Josh. You should come do it too. <laughs> but that's not how it works, right? No, no, no. But I'm just saying, in the in the analogy, you would not you're tell right, the other. Right, I right. would be saying, oh, you know, I have this boyfriend. You should try him. He's awesome. <laughs> Uh, but no, no you, you 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 don't say that though, do you? Well, you know, as far as you know, how do you, I might be doing that all the time? I'm just like you know, kind of waiting for the right time to. No, 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 no. no neither of us. That would be that. exhausting. It would be exhausting. Yeah, there are certain times when the message of everybody join in with this cool thing results in a an exhaustion, a saturation. Um, well, this this is good though. Let's saturate it with what? Um, <laughs> just deep enough, folks. Just deep, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pulling back a little bit now. <laughs> uh. um, oh yeah. So when do we set boundaries to preserve our own energy versus um, allowing more permeability so that there's a nourishing and a blending of energies? Mm-hmm. You know. It's, it's a little bit like the old introvert-extrovert question, right? Well, I was going to say, we're both essentially, from an energetic perspective, we're both oh. introverts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so navigating an introvert-introvert setup is kind of cool, because, like, you know, being an introvert doesn't mean that you don't like people. It just means that you can't be mm-hmm. around them all the time without getting tired. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so... Um, you're that way too. And and I can be, I think, like when we very, very first started dating, um, there was an adjustment period where you had to adjust to the fact that even though, I mean, that I'm a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because, I mean, that's a, that was a point of discomfort with me because I know I'm a lot. It's what I call TMT, too much Tracy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, TMT, too much Tracy. Because mm-hmm. I am a very, um, inner, I have a lot of inner, what they call inner intensity, right? Mm-hmm. Which can be overwhelming in and of itself sometimes mm-hmm. I think you adjusted to it yeah it took a little bit you took, a, took about a week I think for you to like calibrate mm-hmm. is that accurate am I speaking to the truth no, on that I think so um, I do think so I think too though that um, as I continue to deepen in my love and affection for you the your allotness grows more expansive so you are even more of an a lot um, but the adjustment that I have take, taken on I think has to do with a certain permeability of some boundaries and solidifying of others some of the a lotness that was overwhelming I, I have allowed into me and so the resisting of some of your allotness was what was overwhelming. And I find in the course of falling in love with you, if I allow myself to be more open to your allotness, it's not too much because I, I just let it into me, you know, and it mm. becomes like a, a blending, you know. Um, and at the same time, there are some things that are a little more of a lot that I've realized are kind of things that I don't have to push against, but I can... I can trust you to contain your allotness. That's one of the other things I've learned about you is that you are a lot. 
Um, but your allotness is not something that's constantly pushing out into the world. Some of your allotness is really well and beautifully contained, you know? Mm. So That's so lovely to hear. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, at the risk of just freaking having this be like, tell Tracy about Tracy, mm-hmm. which is like, I'd like to know what you mean about the allotness that is self-contained. What is the allotness that's self-contained? Um, that allotness has to do with the, the complexity of you as a person that developed over the course of your life where I wasn't there, you know? Um, so there are things that you have a... Uh, that I don't have enough insight into because I don't share your experience, you know? I think sometimes I try to, as I get to know you, understand you in ways so I can relate better to you. And then as I hear some, you know, things about your past, your family, your ex-husband, I start to realize that the depth of the experiences that you've been through to become the person that you are. And I start to realize is those things are like they're within you. They're part of you. And I don't have to like take that in to know and love you I don't need to understand or have the same kind of experiences Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I feel like in order to form good boundaries I have to like understand the person or something like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as I started to sort of let go of the need to do that it becomes a little bit easier I realize that you know I determine the boundaries more in terms of what I can experience in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. what, what you open up to me with so that I can be receptive to it. Um, and then if I'm curious, asking about something specific, um, I don't know, I think I'm going a little bit away because you had asked me about the allotness that is self-contained. Um, so some of it is just me getting a firmer realization of what about you is a result of your complex past. Um, and that is kind of part of its container is temporal and that's been a realization for me and then some of the other things that are more open have to do with stuff that comes out of our interactions where we share attentiveness where we have emotional reactions to each other so that allotness that is more open has to do with what forms our our bond and attachment and creates our sense of like dancing and growing together Yeah, and one thing kind of that you said that I think speaks to, like, why one understandably resists letting the whatever the a lot is in initially is an uncertainty initially, a, a reasonable uncertainty that if I let that in, will it, I be safe? Mm-hmm. Like, will I be altered in a way that is un, that I, that won't work, be good, yeah. right? Because like, um. Because a lot, because, so I think the trust piece is like, if you like let a little bit in, let a little bit in and go, oh, this Mm -hmm. still isn't harming me. Mm -hmm. Oh, this isn't harming me at all. It not only doesn't harm me, it feels good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, and also I think the, the sense of expectations, like if, if, if I share or I'm shared with, will there be expectations based on that? Like if, if I, if someone, if I let someone in, will I then have, will there then be expectations that I'm supposed to do something with that, that I will not want to do? Like, well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think so then, so then if you 
let that in and you go, oh, there are no, there are no expectations that I'm not willing to step into, you know, with it. Because there's always, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not, it, 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 it's a sharing that doesn't come with a, and you know, okay, now, so that, you know. It's I've, not a conditional sharing. Yeah. Or a quid pro quo kind of sharing even. Yeah, or a, I'll show you who I am so you can fix it kind uh-huh. of a thing. Cause, oh, that's where you were, okay. Yeah. yeah. So let's check the, let's check the thing because it's only, we'll, we'll have to, I think it only records for 30 minutes. What happens we, when you get to 30? It just stops recording. Well, why don't I just stop it right here at 27? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. Do all right, that. dudes. All right, all right. We'll be back. And then we'll be back. back josh and tracy hey getting we're back deeper enough deeper deeper um so just during the break you were talking about how there's like a an impulse when talking about these kinds of things that are about vulnerability to enter into kind of an abstraction about it and then you were saying that you experience a bit of anxiety about being abstract about a thing that is vulnerable but then you're also it sounds like also feeling at least a resistance or maybe even an anxiety about not being abstract like mm-hmm. both the abstraction and the lack of abstraction I well, feel are points of some kind of friction for you internally mm-hmm. so I mean we're recording this podcast I mean on one level we're documenting something for the public to listen to and on another level since it's like a frank conversation we're having as a boyfriend and girlfriend it has the potential to like show an intimate dynamic so I think some of that meta awareness is a piece of it Mm -hmm. you know yeah which which is fine I think it it um you know it helps me to choose my words a little bit better However, as I was saying before we restarted, I think one of the reasons where in discussions about vulnerability, boundaries, sharing between between us, I think it just has to do where if our conversation went to like a directed instance of that vulnerability, boundary sharing stuff that that I would become more emotional and be uncomfortable with that, like emotional intensity, you know? Well, okay. May I ask, without you, you know, can't, what would the emotional intensity be about? Um, I mean, without, if you can do that without, I mean, because I don't want to push you into any kind of a state that you don't want to be in, but I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, what would the emotional intensity be around? For me, in like a relationship discussion like this, it would, I think it would vacillate between the emotional intensity of um, best case scenario, kind of a, um, a, like a playfulness that takes on sort of a, a liveliness that doesn't have the, this paste sort of articulation that I fall into when just having a discussion sometimes mm-hmm. you know so that's one level of emotional intensity where my, my brain that wants to have this real steady back and forth gets overtaken by um, what I call the 
popcorn party conversation mode, which is fun and playful and dynamic, which is, it's like a good, I'm just, and the other kind of emotional intensity would be whereas if we started talking about something that I was uncomfortable with, where I felt some fear with, you know, where we've maybe talked about things in the past and kind of rehashed the same things and there'd be a little hopelessness and then, you know, um, just represent some of the challenges. And sometimes, in a way, it's a little bit of laziness too, where I just, sometimes I just don't want to like face issues, you know what I mean? Like sometimes mm -hmm. you want to just, it's like probably the same impulse that makes people want to just watch TV when they get home from work instead mm -hmm. of do their taxes or, mm -hmm. or um, um, I don't know, walk the dog or, you know, the things we do when, when faced with some of our, the things we do instead of things we want to do. Well, okay. And so, to, like, for me, like, when you say that, and I don't think this is necessarily the case, but what comes up for me when I hear you say that is I feel like, oh, no, what are the uncomfortable things that he's avoiding? Like, I think that's, that's like, that can be always, a, like, a, like, for me, I'm like, oh, no, there, if he has to avoid an uncomfortable feeling, then, um, I mean, on the most rudimentary level, it's like, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Right, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that that's what my frontal lobe is saying, but I'm yeah. saying that on a somatic level, it's like, oh uh -huh. no, and it goes back to the thing of if I can tell that you're being mm -hmm. pensive for mm -hmm. a bit, I'll think, I'll have to, you know, briefly walk myself through, oh, did I do something wrong? Yeah. Right? You know, is he, I mean, and, and again, on the most rudimentary, fundamental yeah. somatic level, is he mad at me? Uh -huh. Right? And, which is... The unfortunate self-centeredness that comes from unprocessed material. Yeah. <laughs> but so when you say that, like things that might be that we've re rehashed, like the way you described it, like things we've already rehashed or da 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 that are uncomfortable and I just want to avoid. Then t when I hear that, I hear it as uh oh, there's like a monster in the closet, or you know, or there's a yeah. So no, no yeah. monsters though. No, I, that's what I'm thinking. I don't yeah. think there are, but then no. I, I, yeah. So it's like now at this point, I'm, it's like a thing of like, well, if a person, like, I don't know, like, mm -hmm. mm, are you hearing what I'm asking for? I don't know how to exactly ask for feedback on that exactly, but it feels, it creates a sense. It's like I always say, like, when it, one of the things that I feel most uncomfortable with in general in life is that if I feel people are holding back what they're actually thinking, mm -hmm. that is one of the things that I worry mm -hmm. about, if I'm gonna worry about it. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I again, I'm talking about all of these things like they're on a very somatic level in the mm -hmm. sense that I feel that tug, but my cognitions around those things are firm and well-developed mm -hmm. enough that I don't, I'm not reactive with it, but I'm mm -hmm. just telling you like what's going on like on a, yeah. on a little, Mm -hmm. little um static electricity level of yeah. oh you know it's not a lightning bolt it's just like a right. static electricity right. level well i have a lot of thoughts all the time we we all do right mm -hmm. and people decide which of those thoughts to express and communicate right and i decide them too based on i don't know my mood my energy level comfort level um if it's with you, with your facial expressions, proximity, time of day, you know, there's all these factors that, that play into 
you know, which, which thoughts, like my own thoughts about something, my thoughts about you that I choose to express. Yeah. You know, I can't express them all. It's just not humanly possible, mm-hmm. you know. And in some ways, I do express them all, too, because if... You do. You're you know, so, like, transparent, honestly. Mm-hmm. In a lovely, lovely way. Mm-hmm. So I may not articulate them verbally, but I think it's one of the reasons why I'm fascinated by some of these embodied principles is because I have a, a sense of the, the potential transparency that, that humans have that facilitates just a, a really nice openness that can create um, a safety that's a sense of safety that's far more easily attained than that which is obtained through verbal negotiations, you know, mm-hmm. through a, an embodied kind of transparency versus this very difficult to obtain sort of uh, exchange of information with our, you know, our, our symbolism. I mean, there's a lot of places in the world outside of even relationships where conflict has gone on forever, you know, amidst individuals, you know, even though they've made the best efforts to be, you know, open and, um, I'm just thinking of like the the Middle East as an example, you know, there's two cultures, groups of people that have been very close for a, a long time whose conflict continues. You mean physically close? You mean the yeah. Palestinians and Israelis? Yeah. Because one good way, again, to go back to our idea of boundaries is to to even look at them with another analogy. I was talking about doors and rooms, but one that maybe is sufficiently complex to allow this discussion to grow is like thinking of borders, you know, to really think of us as like sovereigns of each of our own countries. And now we just happen to share a border in some ways, you know, and the same issues that face our country with, you know, refugees coming across you within your country, having people in your country from your past where there's pain and you perhaps wanting some of those refugees to be able to cross that border into me where you express some of that pain and I I take them in and and hold it and I provide them a sense of shelter or something. I don't know. You see, there's there's some things that work here a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. They really are, you know? And I, I, um, there's something super juicy in... The thing of the embodied... Transparency? Maybe, uh, Thoughts? Uh, maybe, yeah. Um, uh... Like, what you talk about, but I don't, like, in terms of where the inactivist stuff, and I'm using that, like, as an umbrella term for Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that you're exploring philosophically Mm -hmm. and, um, practically, and I, I... I really think it's land. It's it's head. It's like it's like gonna land somewhere, and it's you know mm-hmm. you're developing programs to help people using these principles and things like that mm-hmm. that are really exciting. But I, 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 I'm not able to like grasp it yet at all. And grasp. See, I'm using an analogy that's a, a kinetic, somatic mm-hmm. uh, analogy, even to say grasp it, mm-hmm. right? But I wonder sometimes if I. Even though I feel a lot of what's going on, on energetically in the mm-hmm. world and in myself and in other people, blah, 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 I almost wonder if I'm, like, too intellectual or something. And, and by intellectual, I mean in my head, like, mm-hmm. in the part of the mind that isn't somatic. Mm. 
And I and then I find it really super fascinating that you have it in a somatic realm, like that your fascination. And I find you to be very in your head mm-hmm. as a baseline, like your starting point in your journey of life is very much in your head. Mm-hmm. And then you're exploring this somatic spatial these these somatic spatial constructs with such like intensity and sort of consistency and whatnot it's just interesting isn't it it is one thing that i've come to realize is that 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 my being in your head does not mean brain it's it's just a it's a way of being present in the world and perceiving things and explaining things a person who lives in their head and a person who lives from their heart they're living fully in the same world just as fully human you know neither is more emotionally contained or more abstract we might use words like cerebral or emotive or warm or analytical those are just like descriptions and labels for an entity you know mm-hmm. like as far as a consciousness, like a, a human being, being in the head is just, it's almost a, I don't know how to put it. It's like a color almost, you know, it's like a, it's a dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, color and a dimension being the same thing. I'm having some verbal synesthesia going on here. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Now, no, and maybe, you know, but I think you are like the, the stereotype of men Mm-hmm. is that they are visual, mm-hmm. right? And I think of you as being um, less visual than kinetic, mm-hmm. right? And and so I think maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm projecting. You're very visual. Am I? Yeah, yeah. When, when you describe a lot of your energetic perception, you almost always use visuals to describe it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, and I am not a stereotypical woman and you are not a stereotypical man. Like, nobody is a stereotype. But neither you, but you and I don't fit stereotypes. Even less of a fit. Yeah. Yeah. And stereotypes are so boring anyway. Mm. Sometimes I think people try to fit the stereotype rather than checking to see if the stereotype fits them. This is a, uh, this idea of a stereotype is another way that, and I'm, I am segueing, but it's a good one because sometimes these stereotypes in a way are sort of preformed boundary sets, like a modular boundary package that Hmm. you can, that is available in our cultures. Because on one level we build the boundaries interpersonally, like I don't want to share that, I will share that, I feel vulnerable. And in another sense, we can grab onto modular things like the I can just grab the boundary of stereotypical male and suddenly a whole set of expressions behaviors attitudes is available to me mm-hmm. it's a bit of like a putting on a, a suit of armor or a costume or something like that you know, I mean th- there's a real benefit to having these roles and stereotypes I think that facilitate boundary formation you know but I'll make a presumption. It's like you said, does it fit? Do you fit it? Or are you trying to fit you? That's why I was thinking about that all of a sudden, like the stereotypes. I mean, sometimes people 
I don't understand stereotypes. I've never given them a lot of thought. I always thought they were kind of boring. And at the same time, whenever I look at them, I always kind of start to feel a little guilty for thinking I'm special when I find I, I fit with a lot of the stereotypes, too. Oh, um, yeah. Right? I mean, we all... I mean, stereotypes also are indicative of patterns, right? It's just when it becomes so too rigid where we feel like anything outside of that expectation is, isn't is allowed, mm-hmm. right? And then it becomes rigid and boring. And mm-hmm. um, Anyway, I feel like this is... This is I think that the train is the train is is left the station on on that that one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, um, what are some things that you need to feel? safe in a relationship because I think in vulnerability that mm-hmm. vulnerability and boundaries and feeling safe if you let things in and let things out mm-hmm. right what do you need to feel safe in a relationship um, I need to have a I think a, a sense of um, being undiverted from a sense of my own personal truth. Okay. You know? Undiverted from a sense of your own personal truth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, in some ways, it means very much constantly clarifying what my values are um, and also um, not getting a sense like that I need to defend them. You know, mm. for me, I think a sense of safety comes from feeling like I don't have to defend things. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of times I'll hear people talking about safety in terms of um, like an absence of fear or being able to be open. Um, for some reason, the words like not having to defend myself come in, mm-hmm. you know. I think there's a, for me, I don't know why I would feel it. I guess I feel that uh, some of the things that, that I believe are fragile, you know, I feel like some of my perceptions about the world, um, for whatever reason, the way I've constructed how I like to perceive and live is maybe more fragile than it really is. And so I have a, a fear of, disruption the fear isn't something where I really I don't think it's really that easily disrupted so it's almost kind of like like I have an impregnable fortress that I worry about an assault from butterflies you know (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of what it is Hmm. Um, so I don't want to have to feel like I need to defend my fortress from butterflies (laughs) That's how I feel. That's how I can feel safe. <laughs> I feel like I want to defend it from like an an army of bloodthirsty mongrel mongols or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that is actually the opposite. The way to that I need to feel safe is to be like to test my strength. You know, like 
That is mm. another way of feeling safe. Like to be able to withstand an assault is a way that a person can feel safe. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I think it is the only real way. Mm-hmm. Like w- when people s- talk about trust issues, one of the things I bring up is like, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, I just don't feel like I can trust anybody. It, like a client or something. If a client says, I don't feel like I can trust anybody. And I'll say, well, you know, it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense to trust everybody all the time because lots of people really are not trustworthy. So it's, so some people you can trust, some people you can't, can't always tell right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So what it comes down to is, can you trust yourself Mm -hmm. to be resilient Mm -hmm. even if you have a, you miscalculate who is or isn't trustworthy, right? And, And so I'd say that's like a general starting point. But then when we're at this level of a relationship, like there's deeper levels that a person can go if they kind of like test that, oh, look, I just showed you this. Were you safe with it? Oh, damn. Yeah, you were. How about, Mm -hmm. wow, still safe. So I think there's ways you can go in deeper as a person Mm -hmm. like risks it. But but in order to risk it, to get to those deeper levels, one has to, it is, it feels like a risk or it, it might legitimately be an emotional risk. Mm-hmm. to let someone in a little deeper mm-hmm. because yeah some people are not they are not ready willing and able for whatever mm-hmm. reason to be sacred in those spaces right yeah. if you let them in they're gonna go they're gonna muck about yeah. as they say i don't know for me that's just a a bit of a, a breakthrough thought though is that to 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 feel safe means that i could like I don't know, to feel safe with you means I could take whatever you might throw at me, you know? That I would be able to withstand anything that you might express to me and not have it damage me, you know? And it's a safety that doesn't come out of, like, being so hard, but it's to be, like, receptive, you know, to whatever. Mm -hmm. And that might even be, you know, thinking about you, too, when I talk about thoughts I might not express for fear of whatever emotional tension there you that might feel like for you a little unsafe because doesn't he know I can take it or something you know like it's like yeah it's like you know that that which you think might be a blow is me a chance for me to prove that I can withstand you being that open you know yeah 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 like that yeah or Absolutely, but also, or the other, or like an extension of that too, is if I know me and I know that I am very resilient, Mm -hmm. if someone's not saying something to me, my projection there is like, well, dang, if they think I can't handle it, it must be really bad. Oh. Right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, if I can't, if if there's a risk that it's too Uh much for me, then God knows Mm -hmm. what it would be. But but then I know you well enough, I'm like, there's not really like this secret a list of things that are horrible that you want to say to me you know what i mean you're just not that guy no. so they're just not you know but but i think that that's but i am very resilient but i think there's mm-hmm. also the point is like yes you can know that you can handle it if somebody's going to throw whatever at you but also it is okay to in part of the trusting oneself bit mm-hmm. is no is really is feeling like this person i love if they if I let them in and they do, they muck about in there, I can still say, 
that's not okay. Right. Scooch out. You know, scooch yeah. out. You didn't. You just. You. You're. You. You're getting downgraded mm-hmm. to a to a to a low to a mm-hmm. lesser clearance. You know, yeah. you just lost some of your clearance right. in a sense, right? Like, uh-huh. um, if you think about it in terms of like a security clearance, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it, security clearance. There's like these levels of security clearance. Yeah. And if somebody gets into too high of level of security mm-hmm. and they can't and they muck about in there, they're going to lose yeah. their security clearance. So I think that's a way of looking at it. Um, so it's all, I think it, it's, um, but I mean that also, if I think about it, check, check the time. What are we doing on our, oh. our time right now? I want to make sure we're not scooching. Okay. We're doing uh, great. Yeah. Um, so, but then that brings up the other thing is like, maybe I think one of the reasons why we don't risk why people and you and I, and you know, as, as avatars for other humans, um, don't sometimes risk it is because um, we don't want to have to deal with the consequences of the other person not being able to be mm-hmm. safe in the, that level of mm-hmm. of emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like a way to... So I think, some, you know, it's why people don't sometimes... Why people blow things off because they're like, I don't want to have to deal with the risk of losing this connection mm-hmm. by giving you too much security clearance that you're going to muck about. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like, oh, shit, I don't want to have to fire this guy, mm-hmm. so I'm probably not, I, I probably shouldn't put him on such a hard project. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. analogize it to, like, a business uh-huh. setting, you know? Uh-huh. As opposed to saying, well, if he can't handle that project, he probably needs to get fired anyway. That level, right? But that's a real level of resilience of, like, saying, mm-hmm. you know, that's maybe not even a healthy level of, like, yeah, I'll just cut my losses. Anybody F's up, I'll cut my losses. That's in it. That's like a rigid boundary, really. Yeah, you see, the the way that you are speaking eloquently about this, and I'm even spacing out a little bit. Sorry, as you're talking. yeah. Well, part of it, too, is just because I think it's a bit, like, more complicated than I can follow is, is part of it, though. You know, some of the intricacies of setting those layers of clearance and the mucking about and those things, I can relate to them. In some ways, it feels like they're concepts that are a little beyond me, though, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. I can understand them. Something about them is difficult for me to internalize. I mean, whenever I start to space out a little bit when someone is talking about something that's actually interesting to me is an indication that, like, there's some foundational material that might be missing, you know? Well, that is 100% how I feel a lot of times with stuff that you talk about with like the embodied stuff and the spatial Mm -hmm. stuff and the kinetic stuff and the, and, and cause I really, and it's kind of what I'm speaking to. I'm like, I want to understand it, but I'm not grasping it. It's kind of like what I'm saying. And I do the same thing. Like I'll be sometimes because I'll listen to the podcast later sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then I'm listening to it. I have a little bit of, you know, distance of time and whatever. And I'm just listening mm-hmm. and I'll go, Oh, and I'll hear what you're saying. And I'll go, Oh, I get it now. Cause uh-huh. sometimes you'll say, or I'll get it a little bit more yeah. because you also, I mean, you're super, you have educated yourself profoundly in a bunch of stuff that isn't really commonplace. Mm-hmm. And, um, you're using a lot of terminology that isn't that I'm, that I'm unfamiliar with often. Um, I want to understand it, right? But but I think there's a when a person has spent a lot of time thinking or studying anything, they've mm-hmm. developed a certain fluidity 
with the language, the, mm -hmm. the shop talk language of the thing, and mm -hmm. then it almost becomes, you forget that not everybody knows those words or whatever. And I, I, I get that. So it's interesting for you to say that in the context of what I was saying, because mm -hmm. I often feel that way oh. when you're talking about the stuff that you're in. And mm -hmm. it's like, I, so sometimes when I just go, well, I'm really open to figuring this out, but I'm, I'm not there yet. Because you know a lot of really interesting stuff, you know? You do. It's like, cool. It's exciting to me because it feels like, oh, I, you know, maybe I'll learn that somehow. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to learn things. You know, I really love to learn new things. Mm -hmm. But there's a learning curve with learning, right? That's yeah. how that's how that goes. And we're all on a trajectory from the things we've been learning for a long time, too. You know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people think of learning curves as, like, when you start to learn something that curve keeps going right you know what i mean it's like we're we're also on a learning curve that we started a long time ago you know hmm. each of us is that's a good point you know i've I, sometimes there was a i was listening to this talk today and they talked a little bit about dancing to melodies and rhythms in music and they talked about how one person might be listening to a certain melody and moving to the melody while the other person might be focusing on dancing to the like a certain beat. Oh. Um, so there this is I think Let's let's go to the next episode. And we can, you know, we're having the conversation anyway. So so you've been, so let's keep recording. Okay. And then cuz I want to hear about this and you know, we can always uh, publish them serially and whatnot. Continuing. Continuing. So, Josh, proceed. So, um, proceeding with, um, well, I was just going off on this idea about when people are dancing, how one person might be dancing noticing the melody of the music and the other person might be dancing paying more attention to the, the rhythm, the beats of the music, so the mm. motions would be different. Wow. But what I can't remember is what was happening before in our conversation when that came up. Because something about it, I mean, it was just something cool from the talk I was listening to earlier, but it was directly connected to... Well, you'll probably circle back around. Go ahead yeah. and proceed with this, and I bet you you'll pick up the thread of the other thing as oh. you go. Because I think that's, it's a very, re it's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, that's a juicy thing. The idea of people with the same overt goal which is mm -hmm. in this case to dance, mm -hmm. but paying attention to different parts of the data mm -hmm. unknowingly, mm -hmm. right? And so then finding perhaps a conflict mm -hmm. that is 100% unintentional mm -hmm. and not due to negligence or not caring mm -hmm. about it like both people equally caring both people both people equally sharing a goal mm -hmm. but yet still landing in a different place and being like what's happening yeah well the like a pair they come together and they're moving to the music ostensibly you know moving to the same music um, each person wants to be able to express themselves you know, each person wants the other person to feel comfortable in the experience. Um, I might have the data, the sound coming from me, and the feeling of your closeness coming from me. 
um, give me the indication that I need to move, you know, quickly, you know, make fast steps. And, you know, and you would hear, you know, like this, this long violin note and want to sweep your leg on the floor, you know, mm. if you heard the violin mm-hmm. note. And I could throw you off balance unless I noticed you choosing to express yourself in that way. Um, you might feel my, you know, eagerness to move quickly or something. And instead of like sweeping that leg to the violin, you would take a few quick steps and choose not to express yourself in the way you'd wanted to, having been aware of something within me, you know, some intention that you realized wouldn't quite go with that, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, this is kind of like, I think, how boundaries are formed in, in real time when you're, when you're sharing, like, moment-to-moment data, you know? Because mm-hmm. there's very much, there's this, like, the fluidity of boundaries that are, they're super permeable but we're we're seeing them from our own worlds at the same time you know i think there's an illusion of compromise sometimes that happens among people where it's more me becoming comfortable with where i'm at with you less so than me be becoming comfortable with because of what i've said to you you doing what i want you to do <laughs> you know what i mean mm mm-hmm. But I think in that sense, I mean, I think both literally and as a generalizable concept, the idea of if the partners in the dance say, okay, let's listen to, let's dance to the melody this time, Mm -hmm. or let's dance to the rhythm this time and see if that they, the partners can challenge themselves to choose to focus on the same data Mm -hmm. to see what that's like so I think and and I think and and so even knowing that that is a thing that that is a point of potential misunderstanding Mm -hmm. immediately creates creates a space to remedy it to say Mm -hmm. oh well we could how about we try this Mm -hmm. and um and again that's a vulnerability because it's like getting out of the sense of I'm doing it wrong. No, you're doing it wrong. This is never going to work, right? So that would be like a, a, a way that people's feelings of inadequacy could just put a stop to the whole dang thing. Whereas if you go, oh, we both, you start from the premise of I, you know, we agree and we trust that each of us have the same goal mm. and the same commitment to the goal. And so if it's not landing and, and neither of us are, incapable like we neither of us have an incapacity that would interfere right Mm -hmm. so you have basing on that starting point like i'm not it's not that i'm not good enough or you're not good enough or whatever or and it's not because neither some one or the other of the people doesn't care if you could start from that basic premise and then operate everything from there if there's a glitch then it becomes hmm there's a glitch it must be something in our in a we haven't made our our um, attentions parallel. Mm. Like our intentions are parallel, but perhaps our mm-hmm. at- attentions are mm-hmm. not. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is linking a little bit back to that fuzzy thing I was talking in the beginning about how perceptions, like the, our individual perceptions, can affect 
how we choose to collaborate, you know, depending on what you're paying attention to, you'll make a series of decisions. Yeah, this is, this is really useful because this, this kind of means is like, if we can say to each other, let's look at this, you know, Mm -hmm. and then have a discussion. It's like, let's tap into the same data source and then work interpersonally rather than try to work interpersonally with very divergent data sources, which we've had a few conversations where we both come to the conclusion that uh, an element of discord between us is a result of like our past experiences, different past experiences affecting each other differently. So we have the data streams of our past kind of having a noise that overshadows our attempt of the paying attention to the data stream of the moment's conversation, you mm-hmm. know? I guess that's one thing that we, that I, do you do this sometimes to yourself where in the midst of a conversation with me, you recognize that it reminds you of something from the other day or the distant past and you sort of tell yourself internally, that's not what this is about? Yeah, sure. Sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I would say that you are not very triggering. Like there's not that much in your behavior that confuses me Mm -hmm. about what the source of my issue is you know what I mean because so like if I'm having an issue come up I rarely if ever think it's because of something that you did Mm because I'm clear enough to know that there wasn't anything in what he just did that Mm -hmm. that was triggering Mm -hmm. I'm just triggered Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so in a certain sense because you are so unlike other men I have been close to mm-hmm. um your behavior doesn't trigger me mm. but i will still nevertheless be triggered but i'd say in that moment and i've said that at times okay okay well this is triggering such and such a thing but then i don't sit there and go because you blah 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 right right i'm like going so crazy sorry <laughs> wow <Uh-oh. laughs> wow josh wow <laughs> no um but because so i'll just go okay um so hey this is what's going on with me and you've always been super patient about you know letting me do like a quick rundown of this is what's going on okay move you know because i don't like mm-hmm. wallow in it i don't think excessively i just go oh here's what's happening and this, this is where this comes and i might mm-hmm. add in a air quote uh, an air quotes humorous mm-hmm. uh anecdote yeah <laughs> that i may or may not find funny they're typically <laughs> never funny but i do laugh i do nevertheless laugh at the end of telling them yes and then say, isn't that the most fucked up thing you've ever heard? And then you'll be like, oh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and then we make a salad yes. and eat dinner. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're out of lettuce. Oh, my God. We're also out of yogurt. Uh. But, yeah, truthfully, I'll tell you, this is a true thing. This will be, and, and it totally sounds like an excuse, too. I often, even though I know we're, I, I, I superficially know that we are out of something. Mm-hmm. And I'm on my way home. I don't always stop at the store because I am in a big hurry to see you. <gasps> for real. And yeah. that's like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I can't stop at the store. But then I won't see Josh for like <laughs> 10 more minutes. And it's too long. I mean, and that's like a very big difference from what I've yeah. experienced previously. So, you know, hmm. yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And so I'm totally going to use that now as a manipulation so that I'll never have to go do any grocery shopping. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> 
No. <laughs> or if you stop at the store, it'll be like, oh, shit, what did I do? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's turn it that way. And I'd also like that to apply to doing the dishes. And uh, if I'm doing the dishes, it's because I don't want to spend time with you. So I probably don't, you know, so if I'm not doing the dishes, it's just because I love you so much. And I'm joking. Because we, I think, well, so far, unless I'm wrong, I think we've been pretty good at sharing responsibilities like you do the dishes I do the dishes mm-hmm. we haven't had to have like a freaking like chore chart or anything am I wrong about that is that do you feel pretty okay with how I that feel okay goes? with that sometimes there'll be things that I just don't understand about you though yay <laughs> that are chore house related it's just gonna be super embarrassing no okay let's hear it then they're, they're tiny little things like the other day I because we were gonna have repairs in the laundry room um I or you, one of us, moved the litter box and the litter yes. out to your yes. bathroom. Yes. The litter box moved back in, but for about three days, the bucket of litter with the dustpan and broom that go with the litter box stayed in your bathroom, where we temporarily had the litter box. Uh-huh. And I have, like, believe it or not, wasted energy trying to figure out, like, what goes on in Tracy's mind that she doesn't, like... Well, because if the toilet breaks, I'll have the litter. I'll be ready to roll. <laughs> You're thinking, it works for Tabby. Tabby's 100%. She's she's 100% satisfied. And I'm part of that. It's 100% cat satisfaction. No, okay. All right. Well, I'll, there's a... Gonna, let, let me... And then I get to tell if anything that I don't get about you. But anyway. But okay, I would say that, yeah, I can see that. Um, on the one hand... The moving of the litter box was because I couldn't get to anything because there was a big giant litter box uh, in my bathroom. Yeah. And leaving the other stuff in there was I was thinking, well, that stuff's heavier. And if I have to move the litter box again on short notice, it'll be nice if I don't have to move those things too. Uh, because the reason we have to move the litter box, of course, is because there's repairs going on yeah. in the laundry room for listeners at home. Yes. Or shall I say, listener at home. <laughs> no, 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 I, we have some listeners. It's actually kind of cool. But anyway, okay, so that that's one, one reason. Then there's also, I think, the thing of... Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that was kind of like one of the main things. Mm-hmm. Also, I think there was also an aspect of, you know, implied with all of that is a laziness of, ah, that litter box bucket is so freaking heavy, I don't feel like carrying it. Oh. More than I have to. Here's a tip for you. Honey, could you grab this bucket? It's it's kind of heavy. Yeah, see, I never do that. Have you, I'm here. Have, I'm but have here. you noticed, like, I do not do that. I do not be like, oh, I need help with this, whatever. But if I you don't do it, if it's really, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad to do it. It just it literally uh-huh. never freaking occurs oh. to me. Oh, oh, okay. I'm just giving you. A... I mean, I want it to occur to me. Yeah. But again, that is a little bit of a trigger because yeah. I had a lot of experiences yeah. of. Asking yeah. for help and having uh, it not oh. work out very well. All right, what's the goofy thing that, that I did? Um, okay. Do? All right. Well, all right. When we first first were together, I noticed that you were a, a if it's yellow, let it mellow guy. Uh-huh. Which I respect. Yeah. Don't prefer, but respect. Yes. But you were also, while you were a if it's yellow, let it me- mellow guy, you also would let the water in the faucet just run for ridiculously yes. long amounts of time. So yes. I was like, okay, clearly there's, you know, so that yes. was that was a thing. It was no big deal. Do you want to know the my reasoning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't give a shit about saving water. The mellowing yellowing was that sometimes the sound of a flushing toilet 
bugs me. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I just want the, the household not to have the sound of a flushing toilet in it. That's, well, that's, that, that's not going to happen. I know. I know. That's, there will at least be flushing, some flushing. Yeah. But okay, all right, so yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, so it wasn't a water conversation. No. Cons- conservation no. thing. And then also, now that I know that you don't give a shit about saving water, that's also an alarming fa- factor, but we'll leave that for now. Okay. Um, there's, there is an argument on a lot of sides for that. Okay, so uh, what's another funny thing? That Although you I do give a little bit of a shit because I have a timer for my shower. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. The time you've got like you've got like a five um a, a you've got an hourglass for showers. Yeah. But you also so that was a thing I thought was just like a weird inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't good. it didn't like yeah. ruin my life or anything. No. Um so, but I thought it was kind of funny. And yeah. then let me see if there's any other weird inconsistencies. Mm, that's like I think the only one that I yeah. was really like, okay, that's yeah. But we all have inconsistencies. Yes, we do. And that's, you know, and also I think I have a little bit of, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm distractible. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there's also like, like the not finishing the other half of a task, like take the thingy into the laundry room might mm-hmm. be also just a distractibility thing too but mm-hmm. but no in truth that's what I was always thinking I was like well I never know they might they're sure. gonna have to go back in there I don't know when it's gonna be yeah so I'll just move so it, mm-hmm. it just seemed like it saved me a trip sort of to leave the litter I mean mm-hmm. eventually that wasn't gonna work out because like today I need to change the litter box so I'm gonna have to go get the litter and yada 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 so you know it doesn't really make sense so I'm not arguing of like clearly this is the correct way to do things. Yeah. I'm just saying like, yeah, that's that was like the the mm-hmm. undercurrent of thought. If any, if there was any thought mm-hmm. involved, that would have been it. Hmm. Just deep enough, folks. Yeah, now I know you're um you have flushophobia. It's it's not it's only at nighttime, you know. It's like when people are sleeping. It's like I don't want to wake people up. You know? Would a flushing toilet ever wake you up? God, no. No. Okay. Hmm. You know, my daughter, she really was hypersensitive to toilets flushing. I remember when she was potty training, it was one of the things that created anxiety for her. To the point where she was done, she would hold her fingers over her ears when you flush the toilet. You know? So she really did. In fact, to this day, I think I can remember when she was just old enough to like use a public restroom and I'd have to be with her she would like hit the flush and run away you know like with her hands kind of close to her ears you know it was like oh so then that makes it make sense like on some level you're you probably have a thing of flushing noises can be upsetting to people maybe maybe that was it it was really you know you get your children's discomfort is a huge conditioning force oh my god (laughs) it so freaking is yeah it is so much yeah, well, it, it's like, it's it's one of those things, like, kids being in pain or uncomfortable or anything, just selfishly, it's not, I, I always think it's not unselfish on my part, like, I would be always yeah. thinking, like, I wish I could just take on their problem for yeah. them, and not because I'm so, such a, such a martyr mm-hmm. person, it's because it just feels worse 
if they're in pain or something, it just literally yeah. feels worse to yeah. me. So it's it's like it's just selfish. I just don't want to feel more pain. Yeah. It will, I will feel less pain if this is my problem. Yeah. Therefore, I want it to be my problem, yeah. <laughs> right? right? But it doesn't. It does not work. So, no. which is a whole another thing about boundaries, but we won't get into that right now. So, um, so yeah. So back to uh, one thing I asked a while back about. You know, what do you need to feel safe? We can talk about that. Um, I don't, I didn't give you a very good answer, did no, I? No, I think you really did. Did I? Okay. I think you gave me a really, really good answer. Okay. Um, and I'm, and, and I, you know, maybe. You were going back to it, though. I'm going to help you stay focused. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if I was. I think I uh, was returning to it more to see if there was any unfinished business with it because it was uh, the last precise question uh-huh. that I asked. I don't think there is any unfinished, I don't, uh-huh. I don't have any unfinished business with that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel generally safe? Like 87%? Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm pausing here to like check into levels of safety. Yeah. No, there's, there's no, there's no fear there. What, what there is, um, so something that I like to do with boundaries, remember we were talking about like the levels of secrecy there? The security clearance. Security clearance. And I, I of, like that analogy. That just I just came up with that one today. Yeah. Um, so the part that's kind of like, oh, that, that I just don't understand that. But the part that's, for me, that I wanted to bring up with them was that, um, that they can be played with. That boundaries have a playful element to them, you know. Like many times, um, the common boundary thing is like you set a boundary with someone to when there's behavior you find unacceptable. That's like one of the most popular appearances of boundaries in our culture. Um, but one part of boundaries that that I like when I feel safe is that I can play with them, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense of be fake vulnerable or fake rigid or ultra flowy you know what i mean yeah 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 that kind of stuff um and that that's another sort of safety evidence you know when you can sort of create a space where boundary boundarylessness is kind of okay i think this has some incarnations like the the, the sex people, their world where they have safe words, where they let themselves cross what normally would be boundaries that aren't crossed and you can pop up your safety word or something like that. So what I'm talking about is kind of like that, but not in a sexual sense, you know, where you can allow yourself like boundaryless play where nobody gets hurt, but it's not the, the fetish variety, you know, <laughs> but... I just, I find that space to be an enjoyable one. I find it to be a place for creativity. Mm-hmm. So really is what I'm saying is that this, this interplay with concepts like boundaries can be a really fertile source of creativity. You know, there's a yes ending that goes with boundaries yeah. that can be there. You know, there can almost be a, like a, a faking out kind of thing where you set up a boundary and you're like, no boundary, you know, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit like, almost like a peekaboo kind of game but on a very adult level, right? Yeah. You well, know? and it's just like sometimes when you'll ask me out of politeness, you'll say, you know, can I use the, 
screwdriver and I'll say no yeah. right and, and but obviously I, and then I'll then I give you the screwdriver yeah. but I'm just playing right? right you know and and you I'm early on the Vima I mean several a while ago I remember you said I love it when you do that or something like that I was thinking do you that's good I mean it was it uh-huh. you, like you loved that I would play with tease you that way or something mm-hmm. I remember you saying that I thought it was kind of Funny. I mean, my intention was certainly for you to not be offended and for you yeah. to get the joke because I would yeah. say no, and then I would just give you the screwdriver. Yeah. Right. So just to because it's a joke about to me the joke is why in the world would I not let you have the screwdriver? You know, and mm-hmm. also, but I still in some ways appreciate that you asked because it's good manners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's stuff like that. You know what I mean? It was sort of like it plays with that same thing. I remember one time. It was early on. It may not have been that exact context, but you were like, I love it when you tease me like that. Like, there's a particular kind mm-hmm. of teasing that you said you particularly yeah. liked. And for me, it's kind of important to say that because I'm a little sensitive. Some some teasing or joking, like, almost inexplicably, I'll take personally, too. I think I got it from my father hmm. um, a little bit because there's certain, there's certain ways of being playful or joking that like don't land well with me, you know. Hmm. Do you mean that you he modeled it, or that he he modeled a similar thing that he also doesn't like that, or what do you mean you got it from your father? Um. Hmm. So like that no kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like my mother never did that with my father. That kind of stuff. That was unheard of. That sort of humor. Really? I can't imagine her doing something like that, okay? Um, she might. I might be exaggerating with saying that. But I don't think I am a whole lot, you hmm. know? And it's one of the things that, like, kidding around with my dad, is it's a bit of an art form. And it's just different that way. And it's something about... So maybe it's not something that I modeled after my father, but it's one of those tendencies my father had that I'm different in a way that reverse modeling <laughs> happened. You know how mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. you... You go the of, other way. Yeah, yeah. You know, but at the same time, I have an element of, I think, reluctance to be silly sometimes, you know, that is something I got from my dad that conflicts with my desire to be playful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it's a confusing blend that has a little bit to do with that, um, the, uh, the aesthetic that appreciates suffering, um, not because I enjoy suffering, but because I, I feel that it's just a nice color to have in one's life's palette, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when it dominates the work of art excessively, it just, you know, it, it can get old. But there's just, there's something there about seriousness somehow it's blended in with this i was talking earlier about discipline and kindness and playfulness and there's almost something scientific about it and it has a little bit to do even with cause and effect there's something about um boundaries that provides something to push against you know what i mean you can Mm -hmm. you move forward because of them Hey, you want to know something cool? Yeah. That I was just thinking about? Yeah. All right. You know how when you're walking, you know how for every force there's an equal and opposite kind of force, right? That's what, that's that's what, what Newton say. said. That's, that's what Newton that's what said. said. 
And so I was just thinking about this. Every time you touch the ground, the ground is pushing you up. Mm -hmm. And I got the sense of like mm -hmm. when my foot hits the ground, it's like the earth right where I step is like pushing on me. Oh, you know? wow. And it gave me this real sense. Like every time that I move, it's like I'm being touched by, by what's underneath me. You know, you always think that when you land on the solid earth, it's like you go kerplop, it's solid. But really, what's happened, because there's an equal and opposite force, the earth is going, gotcha. Wow, I so love that. You know, um, and that kind of makes me think of one of the things I do when I do like a guided um, visualization with people to, for one of the distress tolerance things that I do with clients mm -hmm. is um, when I'm talking about like, I talk about like connecting to the center of the universe as you, cosmos as you can understand, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But then I also, and I talk about the very being, and I talk about, you know, connect to the very center of the earth. And I say, and, and, and notice the way it, your foot feels against the bottom of the shoe and realizing that the bottom of the shoe is connected to the floor and the floor is connected mm -hmm. to the earth and cell upon cell upon cell, molecule upon molecule, you are literally connected directly to the center of the earth. Mm -hmm. Right? And so it's like, and it's like a way of like getting people this sense of like, it's not just me here and then a center of the earth that's here. Yeah. It's like, it's like I literally right now Molecule upon molecule upon molecule, I am a hundred percent on top of the center of the earth. Like the center of the earth and I are connected like directly, yeah. molecule upon molecule upon yeah. molecule. So I mean it's a little similar. It just reminds me of that same thing yeah. of like this sense of an interaction with yeah. something that even though we, we are literally interacting with it constantly, uh -huh. it can seem abstract. Yeah. And I, oh, and you know, it makes me think of like the same way. It's like, um, we, because of our, our not paying attention to that connection to the body, AKA the earth being like the macrocosm of the body, right? Mm -hmm. And then our little personal bodies as being the microcosm of the body, right? Um, it's the same, the way, the fact that we don't, that, that the earth itself can feel like an abstraction to us yeah. is similar to the way that people sometimes take a minute to realize that their feelings, their emotions are in their bodies. Yeah, right. Right, it's yeah. like we're not, it's like, it's the most obvious thing in the world. We only feel our feelings in our bodies. It's the only place we feel them. Mm -hmm. We don't think our feelings, we feel our feelings and we mm -hmm. feel them with our bodies. But because we're trained to not see it that way, we often don't. Okay, so I see we're, we're wrapping up here, um, but we can wrap up for today. That was three episodes, yeah. you wanna be done? Hey, everybody, we've got like 40 seconds and like if we were a TV show, there'd be a dude like showing us like fingers or something right now and there'd be like outro music going, whatever, and blah, 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 blah. But we don't have all of that, um, not because we can't, just because we don't feel like it. So, love you guys. Thanks for Bye, listening. Guys. See y'all later. Do you love them too, Josh? Not as much as you do. Yeah, it's true. He doesn't. But that's okay. Don't take it personally. You he doesn't know you like I do. I don't. You're right. We'll get, all right. We'll get to know each other. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye, guys. It's 
the Josh and Tracy show. This is our theme song. Theme song. Theme song. It's the Josh and, and Tracy, Tracy show. show. Just deep enough. Just this is the theme song. 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 Just deep enough.